Hey everybody, it's Alex uh, once again from the Remote Work Live podcast and I have one of my podcasting heroes with me today, Pilar Orti. Pilar is a director of uh, Virtual Not Distant. They help managers and teams adapt to a new way of working and I've I've, um, had Pilar as a guest on the podcast before as I said, she's a hero of mine in terms of the pod- podcasting space. One of the first podcasts I ever started to listen to. So I will put the details in the show notes for you to listen to as well. But apart from that, Pilar is embedded in the world of remote work. She's a remote work expert, go-to thought leader in the area of remote work, especially when it comes to uh, helping teams, helping managers. So Pilar, I want to thank you once again for coming back to the Remote Work Life podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Always good to speak to you. And uh, the second time is, uh, well, I'm really looking forward to see what we talk about today. Me too. Me too. And I think last time we spoke, we were talking more about uh, teams. You're giving advice in terms of how teams, especially the the teams that were new to remote work, could mm. transition and adapt to the world of remote work. And that's what you're all about. But I want to today find out more about you and what inspired you to be where you are today and I just wondered uh you know first and foremost could you just tell the audience about yourself and you know where where are you in the world now as well (laughs) well physically I'm in London so that's good because that's uh that's my base and uh, I think that's important because I'm someone that has transitioned Sure, transition sounds very linear. That has that still moves in a lot of professional roles and in still in different industries. And I am now in flux. I am really wondering. I've taken this year to think about what's next. So I'm still doing a lot of what I've been doing for the last five or six years and twenty years actually. Uh, but now I'm starting to wonder where am I next. So what I've been doing. Oh, my professional life. Um, <laughs> I trained as an actress, run a theater company that is like previous life and worked as a voiceover artist, which I still do some voiceover work. But what I've been doing over the last, say, 10 years is looking at corporate training and training in organizations. I started in leadership training around I don't know, the 2010s or something. And I started to see that more and more organizations were using technology to run their teams. So basically, I could see more virtual teams, etc. So I started to look into that space and I thought it was a very interesting space because it needed a lot of deliberate action. It needed teams and managers to really think about how they wanted to work together. And I thought that is very attractive. And a lot of people were making a transition to using more remote work. So I thought, oh, that's great. We can use it as a tool to stop and think and design new ways of working. And then the pandemic came and lots of people had to adopt remote work without thinking, without designing new ways of working. And those years were interesting, I'm sure for for you as well, for a lot of people in the remote space to just see stuff being adopted in whatever way was possible. It changed how I approached the work. It really, I was like, whoa, what am I doing here? You know, talking to people in the middle of a pandemic about visible teamwork, which is my thing. And and so it, it was it was an interesting time. And I podcast a lot, which because I love talking and because I love having conversations about the work. 
So the the show that you uh, listen to, uh, 21st Century Work Life, is my longest running show. And it really started because I wanted to have conversations with people who were doing things. It was more broadly in a, the 21st century, how what work looked like. And as I saw that there was more remote work adop- being adopted, I thought, well, actually, yeah, I could fill a whole podcast with just this. So it's been really great. And from that, I also have a podcast now about podcasting. I have a podcast about food with a friend of mine in Spanish. I have a management cafe still running now with a co-host. So podcasting, there's something in there that's quite interesting as well. So, yeah. Very mixed uh, background, but all of all the, over the, the place. <laughs> but I mean, I can see all of the different, um, you know, you mentioned linear, but it's, it's, there's very much um, a relationship between what you've done in the past in terms of the, the theater-based work and the, the creative uh, thing that you're doing or were doing, uh, AOL Time Warner, Forbidden Theater Company, to the things that you're doing now. Um, there's definitely a correlation. And I, I think, vo- so you're doing voiceover work as well. And obviously voiceover is very much related to the audio landscape yeah. that you're in now and you've got three did you say three podcasts all in one go i am involved with five plus one i think plus one that i do a co-host for someone else yes i think <laughs> and you've got the adventures in podcasting as well you're a chief podcaster there as well yeah you help you're helping coaches facilitators and tr- and trainers gosh i I just about uh, manage one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is an issue, actually. Uh, it is. I mean, Adventures in Podcasting, I wanted to turn that into some kind of business, doing exactly what you said, using uh, helping specifically coaches and facilitators, because those were, they still are my peers. It, I haven't, I, tr- I played with it for a bit and then I stopped and it's now lingering there. And I'm thinking, what can I do in the world of podcasting that is useful and that people will pay me for? <laughs> so that that one, I'm, I love podcasting. Yes, I do as well, I, and I think I, I know it for the same reasons as you. I mean, for me, I it was for me it was about trying to engage people in the conversation, but also trying to give them value as well at the same time as as talking to them and reaching out to people. I I was working remotely, but I oh, there's a point where I was finding it quite difficult myself to 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 network. So I thought, how can I how can I do that? you know, with people across across the world. And mm. it was accidental, to be honest with you, I think, but it, it kind of, um, it works, doesn't it? It's kind of, it's it's a nice way to just have conversations and find out about people, isn't it? It is. I think it's especially, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like chit-chat. <laughs> so I like to get into the meat of the conversation. I mean, the kind of conversation we're having now, I love having it. Uh, so the podcast gives you that excuse to go straight into it. And it's uh, really useful. And also you can reach out to people who you already maybe have something to say to because you've read an article of them or like you've listened to their podcast or, you know, they work in a specific field. So you reach out to them and then the conversation is a conversation that you want to have. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people pitching for being on a show or you know, PR agencies pitching guests, they don't understand that. More, you know, indie podcasters are there because we want to have certain kind of conversations with certain kind of people. So I think that's the the main thing. And there's a lot, there's so much going on now with podcasting. There's, there's, you mentioned because um, we were talking about tools before. There's so much going on. There's so many. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of people pitching me to come on on 
on the show. Yeah. Um, but like you, I want to have conversations with a specific type of, uh, of of people. And I think it's, yeah, I think you mentioned you want to, um, when you, when you talk about podcasting, you said you wanted to explore doing things more with your podcasting. Is that is that your one of your eventual goals, is it? Yeah, that's one of the things that I want to do more of, but I'm really trying to see where I fit in. So again, I thought, well, maybe I help coaches and facilitators set up their own show, um, but maybe that's too vague. Maybe it's something about, there's something for me about how you show, how you, in a way, how you show up at your best in a show, whether it's with a guest or on your own. So there's something about how much you edit what you say. Um, if you are looking after the edit or if you're working with an editor, how much of a conversation should be or shouldn't be edited. Um, there's something that's really interesting there. So the technical aspect of sound, there is something about the persona that we adopt. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting if you listen to, just to, sort of, <laughs> to have me as an example, because I know myself quite well, you listen to me in all the different podcasts you hear a different side of me sometimes it's very subtle but it's definitely you bring a persona to the sh to the podcast i was going to say to the show because it is you need a performance energy so there's something about how the podcaster shows up that is also interesting to me but i still and also haven't found how to help whether it's with online courses or one-to-one -one help i'm still yeah and it might be that i end up thinking you know what i just want to have pod i just want to do a podcast i don't want to help other yeah. people and and then that's a whole other way in which a business can go is how do you make money from your podcast so which you can't i don't think we can make a lot of it but there might be a way of the the content being what generates the income rather than it being a vehicle for us to then attract people to other parts of our business. Yeah, it, it's um, it's so many tools as well. It, 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 there's a, a deluge of different tools and services. And for me, I don't know if this helps you, but for me, it, it's the consistency is the thing that I think mm -hmm. a lot of podcasters suffer with is the consistency because there's so many things that are related to doing a podcast, like getting the guests, um, booking guests on, um, and then once you've made the recording, editing it, scheduling the recording, yeah. post-production, from you know promoting it, and then transcribing. It. There's so many different. Yes, yes. So I can see why you, you're, you're trying to figure out where you fit because there's so many aspects to it. <laughs> but in terms of the the theatre side of things, just going back now to your your early career, I'm, I'm keen to 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 delve a bit more in, into that. And because as I said, I was looking at your your career whilst you were you mentioned a well i mentioned a, a artistic director and workshop leader H how did that how did you sort of um how did your career progress up until that point and then after that more to a more entrepreneurial side of you how did that all sort of come about well the i am totally self-made because uh i i have an issue <laughs> which some people could look at as a strength, but I think sometimes it gets in my own way, which is I am extremely curious and I also like to learn by doing. So I really, I, you know, I'm very uh, lucky that I have a lot of confidence in myself. And so I don't mind making mistakes. I don't mind how I look to others sometimes. So I, I learn by doing. So I actually came to London to do a biology degree and then ended up training as an actress. I'd always loved acting, 
but it's one thing to love to act and the other is to want to become an actor. <laughs> so I decided, okay, let's see what being an actor looks like. Oh, actually, let's learn to act first. So I trained. And then during the time drama school, I, I um, became friends with someone else, another actor who really was very entrepreneurial as well. So we set up a theater company. So that's how it happened. Uh, of course, I mean, while I was looking for work, I don't think, did I get any other work? I'm not sure, but I didn't wait. And also there's a whole thing of, um, I still have an accent when I speak in English, as you see, and I had maybe a little bit less of an accent, but that limits you as an actor, what kind of roles people might think you're suitable for. It just takes longer. I think it's possible to, to, to have a good career. But that I thought that might be limiting. So I just wanted to do the roles that I wanted to do. I, it's the same story as now. I wanted to do the work I wanted to do with the people I wanted to work with in the way that I wanted to do it. And we just learned. And some was really fun and we did some good work. We also did some terrible work at some points. And during that, I learned, I'd always kind of directed, but I learned to direct a bit more. So I'd always been doing my own stuff when I was little as well. I learned to teach through watching my tutors at drama school, through watching directors direct. And I really started to look at uh, what it was like to lead a workshop. So I learned to be a theater workshop leader as well. Again, and that was just by trying, try assisting, trying stuff out. And then I started to train other trainers as well. Also got all the other actors going, you want to run, learn how to run a workshop. And some people became fabulous teachers within the theater company. So there was a lot of uh, learning. Again, I've always liked running things, but of course you had to learn how to manage something properly. You had to learn about employment law. So I just learned everything and I had a lot of fun learning. And that's an issue I have. <laughs> and the moment when I thought, okay, there might be something else I can be doing as well as, was when I went to a conference uh, for theatre companies and somebody, a, a guy called Toby Wilshire from Trestle Theatre Company told us about this program, training program they had for corporations where they used, they used masks and theatre exercises to train people in presentation skills, etc. So I started to look into this, I started reading about it, I went on a course for a couple of, uh, quite an, a nice long course and then I started doing it. I found people who one, I ran one free session for someone. They gave me feedback. Then someone I knew said, hey, come and talk to us. And they liked what I was saying. So I did something and I just learned that. And it's, and you can see like everything. I just, there's something that interests me and I learn it by doing it. And sometimes I crash and sometimes it goes quite well. <laughs> but if you don't try. <laughs> you never know, I guess, if you don't try. <laughs> and it seems like you're, you, it's, I don't know, as much as you said at the beginning, it, it, your, your career's got different aspects to it. But it's, like I said, to me, it, lo lots of the things that you've done are related and it seems very, it seems very logical to me. Is that, was that deliberate or is that? No. No? Okay. No, I, I, it's not deliberate. I didn't, I mean, if you look at what I'm doing now specifically as well, when I'm doing podcasting and, uh, uh, and what is that else I'm doing? Oh yeah, the training of virtual teams. Uh, these are all relatively new things. The, when when I was I, I'm going to show my age, but I when I started my studying training, it was 1990. So boom, things have changed so much, and there's no way I could see this. Uh, there was a point where everything came together even more, which is when this thing about 
using theater in training, corporate training. I was actually doing team away days and leadership um, training using physical theater, which is something that it's, a, it's something I love. And that was merging my interest in science, in physiology, in psychology, theater, the corporate training, the leadership, the um, experience. It really was bringing everything together. Now it's gone a little bit, well, actually, it's just evolved. So I think what might be happening, it's very interesting that, that you said that, because I think what's happening is just that we develop some strengths and interests. And even, I might have not even have realized that what I was doing was seeking, where, where can I do more of this? Uh, I've been doing it like this in this way, but maybe if I do that and eventually you go, well, actually, if I do it this way, I do it better or it, or I feel like I'm do know what I'm doing if I do it in this way. So mm-hmm. it's very inst- I suppose it's quite instinctive way of of shaping the career. I have to say that the voiceover has stayed all the way from when I've been voicing since 1998. I do a lot less now, so I don't have a um, don't have a proper home studio, and a lot of work has gone to the homes. But that that also just meant that I had an income that was relatively right. constant, which allowed me to play a lot more. I think that's quite important to say. So do you have like multiple, it seems like you've got multiple streams, but all kind of running, co- you know, alongside each other. Yeah. Okay. And remote work, as I said, you're a massive advocate and an expert where remote work is concerned and training with remote work. I'm trying to to sit, I could probably, when I'm looking at your, your various things, I'm trying to see where that begun for you. Where did that begin and where, where, where did that begin to be important for you? Uh, so I was looking at the leadership training, etc., and I started to just see that the that people were talking about this thing called virtual teams. So I started to look into that. And so two things happened. One is, as I was looking into it, I started blogging about it. And what I found was that the pieces that were about that space were getting more attention than the pieces about normal normal leadership. So I thought, okay. The leadership training arena is full. I mean, there's a lot of us there anyway in whatever aspect. But not many people were doing that, the virtual team remote work thing. And I thought, well, also, typically trainers are very people people. And this thing of using technology to build teams, it's like, no, no, I'm a people person. So I thought, great, Gap, I can go in there. I love technology. I've always thought it's great. I have no issue with it. So... On, in my head, that's what was happening. At the same time, a couple of things happened. My um, my father uh, got Parkinson's and he was becoming more ill and more ill. So I was going more and more to Madrid. And I met my husband in Holland. <laughs> so at one point, well, he wasn't, uh, yeah, he wasn't my husband then, obviously. But at one point, I was going London, Madrid, Amsterdam, London. I mean, what wonderful life. Yes, it's going to be between three uh, different places. And I was trying to build this uh, team building leadership training business. And I thought this is really difficult. So I started to look at what work was online. And this is when people per hour was relatively new. Mm-hmm. Fiverr was around, but you know, that's a different kind of uh, thing. Uh, Upwork, which I didn't touch. And people per hour seems... So I, I looked for work. I wrote some blog posts. And then there was a post for someone to moderate the forum of an online leadership course, an accredited leadership course. And I thought, I can moderate a forum. (laughs) And that's something that you can do from anywhere. So I did that. 
and then they the lady was actually based in the UK so I even met her and met there were a couple of people in the team then and I stayed with that and then at some point she said would you like to run a webinar and I said yeah I can run a webinar <laughs> mm -hmm. so the lady who was in charge of the webinar program taught me how to do it and the first webinar I ran and it was what was that go to webinar okay on that platform only with slides in the chat, talking to people in the chat every now and then someone would open the mic and I ended my first session and I was sweating. <laughs> yes, because I've been so engaged and I was so into it and it didn't matter. I felt like I was in a room full of people. Wow. And this is one of the things why I stayed in that space is that some people cannot connect unless they have people around them physically. For me, it doesn't matter. Just with the chat, just with presence in the chat, I felt like I'd been in a room full of people. And so from that, then the lady who was in charge of the webinar program left, so I took that over. And then eventually I just thought, well, maybe I can do more stuff. And then somebody actually through LinkedIn said, I see, oh, I started to create an online course on leading remote teams. And someone saw it and they said, oh, could you turn that into an in-person workshop? And I said, yes, I can do that. <laughs> when when was that, Pilar? About, about what time was that? That was nine, uh, not 19, sorry, uh, 2000, maybe 18. Okay. Yeah, something like that. So I did a few years pre-corona of thing and everything changed so much. So anyway, that that's, that's the, that was where the remote work came in is I needed to, I went into the space and saw the need and just evolved. And have you, uh, I mean, there was a period where I, went back into the office myself and yeah, kind of reflected, but has there ever been a time when you've had to do that yourself or been in a, a period where you've had to sort of dedicate yourself back into an office environment again? Well, you're going to laugh. So, um, I've been freelancer <laughs> since, since, uh, for all my, all my career has, as you probably noticed, I've been freelancing because I liked it so many things, the only way of doing that. So I had one time when I used to go into an office, you mentioned AOL Time Warner. I yeah. was helping with some of the audio there for the Spanish feed, the Spanish TCM. And that was, I think it was one day a week or something. And I'd go into the office and the studios there. The other thing is the theater company had an office. And in fact, I remember sitting with the board of directors. The, the office was also an issue because we're in London. and I didn't want to find, uh, you know, I don't, we didn't want to move <laughs> to have an office somewhere. But we had an office at a very highly reduced date, uh, sorry, rate in central London. And it was always an issue in the uh, board, in the trustees meetings. It was always an agenda item. What's happening with the office? Because the lease was about to expire or whatever. And at one point I was like, if we don't have an office, we don't have a company. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> because that's how it was. Yes. That's yes. how it was. If you didn't have that, you had no other place for people to yeah. gather. And then eventually, uh, cafes started to open up in central London, and then Internet it wasn't cafes. as important. Yeah, yeah, just like just chains that you could have meetings in. But there was a point if you didn't have an office, you didn't know where to gather your people. Yeah. And uh, so yes, but since we since I left the theatre company, I started using co-working spaces, mm -hmm. but I rarely use them anymore as well. I am, I've, I'm fine home. I've now, my life has a lot of, I, I do exercise. So I go out once for a couple of hours into the, the social club. It's a gym, but you know, it's also social. And um, yeah, I mean, 
I lo- if I had an office that was really near and really comfortable, I mean, I am part of a co-working space, but it's not as comfortable as this setup. It does the only thing. But if I would, I mean, I would there, I'd be there. Uh, we used to have this office in Rupert Street in Piccadilly. Mm-hmm. If I could have a really cheap, nice office there now where I was super as comfortable as I was then, of course I would have it. But it's not you know, one thing for the other. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, it's funny to say about the, um, the idea of if you don't have an office, you don't have a business. Because before I started, well, no, there was a point where I actually, when I was working remotely, I didn't actually tell anybody I didn't have an office because I was actually quite afraid how they would react to me. Yes. I had, um, I had this, on my business card, I had this, like a service office uh-huh, yeah. Service office address, which made it look obviously as though I had a, you know, I had an address, yeah. which which I I didn't. It was just where I took all my, gathered all my letters. But yeah. I would never tell anybody that I didn't have an office because there was times when I did tell people and they would say, basically, the, their whole sort of de- demeanor and their mood towards me would change because they think, what kind of serious business person doesn't have a, doesn't have an office? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And it's just amazing how, you know, okay, there's still a way to go in terms of remote work being taken, you know, seriously, virtual, virtual work being taken seriously. But back then, it's, it's so much different now then to, to what it is now, isn't it? Or wasn't yeah, it? yeah, completely. Uh, there's uh, a lot of people have told me the same thing as well, that they didn't mention <laughs> yeah. to their clients or potential clients. I think... I think now that's that's different, which is great. Uh, even that that's been one big some something's changed after the pandemic, and some things haven't. But I think that's changed. That actually now people know that you can run a successful business. That actually having an office is probably a choice, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I'm really happy about that. But but then for me it wasn't. It was the the place where people gathered, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So you. You're gathering, uh, you, you say, co-working spaces. But again, like me, I've got access to co-working, cafes. You, well, we're in London, so you basically any, yeah. you can go anywhere. But I, I mean, although I go out probably once a week, maybe sometimes twice a week, I'm like you. I love my home setup because it's just so, it's just like so comfortable. It's like, it fits me like a glove and yes. I can play my music in the background when I'm doing work or, sh- you know, put my headphones on if I'm trying to focus or whatever it may be. Yeah. You can never make a, a co-working space as you want it to be, can you? It's, it's kind of, it's just just so, it, yeah. But that that's me. That's just me. But that, I wanted to ask you, Pilar, as well. Um, so now you, you're doing uh, virtual, uh, virtual not distance is your main, one of your main things. Tell me, just give us an, exa- as, as an example of the kind of um, clients that you work with. I mean, you don't have to name them, but the mm-hmm. kind of clients that you work in, the kind of work that you're doing, um, if you could, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So I've ended up, some by choice, just by default, working with traditional organizations that are still trying to make remote work work. Uh, I think that's always that was always my client actually because I I like that I like being the bridge. I have I have a part of me which is very um, traditional work, very traditional worker, and then I have the part that <laughs> is the, the let's see what's next around the corner and let's make it up as we go along. But I like that I've always enjoyed working uh, with the, the more traditional organizations, maybe because that's maybe because they're the ones that have a longer way to go. So I feel I can help them a little bit more. 
So within that, over the last few years, it's been everything seen uh, from small teams, so very small companies, to intergovernmental organizations, so really large organizations, and some hierarchical, but maybe just because they haven't embraced the transparency that online can bring. So not because of anything, but just organizations that are where it takes a long time to do things, you know, this kind of, these, these have seem to be, um, seem to have been are, are my clients. And what's really important, I think what I've noticed is that I, I just have to enjoy working, one, working with the person I'm working with, so the learning and development or training person. I really, we really have to be on the same wavelength at some, in some level. Now, it's not that we agree on everything or see the world in exactly the same way, but there's got to be something there where there's such a mutual respect. And I've really seen, like recently someone invited me to, to ap- apply for their, to, to be on their books, basically, from having come in ad hoc. And we had to. Do, I had to go through all this official thing, even though I'd already worked there a couple of times. And my my contact, she just we did this interview, and she was. You could see that she was asking all the questions to make me shine and stuff like that. And it's really nice for me. It's very important to eventually see the client as a collaborator. Um, some uh, some of the jobs I've done that hasn't happened, and it's been like, well, we we just didn't didn't we just saw the world in such different ways right. that they didn't work. Uh, so that, and then the kind of things I do, well, at the, I think I'm in the end, I'm just doing training. There was a time I wanted to do more consultancy, but in the end, what I'm seeing, and I'm not quite sure what I think about this, is that most organizations want you to come and do one session about something, and then that's it. And I always wonder, is that enough? <laughs> well, how much can I do in two hours? Uh, yes, you, and the, the truth is that you can do a lot in two hours. Uh, sometimes you might just touch one or two people and the light bulb goes off for them and that's enough. Other times you can see that more people want to do something different after you've been with them. But one of the last uh, pieces I did was really nice, was a little bit longer because it was about asynchronous communication. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I'm focusing on now because I don't know if you've noticed in the remote space, everyone was doing remote, remote, and now we're all going, oh, okay, remote is huge. <laughs> Some areas, so, yeah. Yeah, now that it really exploded, some people are doing well-being, some people are, a lot of us are doing asynchronous because that's the piece that's missing now in, in remote collaboration in for most people. So we were doing, and uh, the client wanted me to come and do a webinar. So very traditional again, <laughs> but with cameras on this time. And because that's how she thought it would land better and what people could do. Right. So w- what we did do was set up a space where they could discuss some stuff ahead of time, like in, 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 in teams, uh, we, my colleague and I, who I was running it with, uh, recorded a little piece just to introduce asynchronous communication. So nobody turned up at the webinar. We had to start right from the beginning. What is asynchronous communication? So we did that. And then, uh, we created a guide to go with the webinar so that people could carry on, could do continue asynchronously. They might still be in that team space. I don't know what's going on, but it's uh, that's a much more satisfying piece of work because it's got a little bit more of a chance of making a difference. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's important. And I think uh, what I'm seeing a lot is, yeah, there's more discussions around as- asynchronous work, um, but there's still 
I don't know if you, if, you, if you're feeling this as well in terms of the online stuff. I don't know if this is a reflection of how the real world is, but yeah. there's still a lot of conversations around um, <clears throat> um, mainly um, castigating remote work. There's lots of uh, there's lots of um, people who are still not quite quite there. Yeah. Obviously, there's lots in the news about uh, bosses saying that workers should come back into the office and. I, are you getting sort of an impression of of remote work? There's still there's still people perhaps not taking it you know as seriously as it as it might be taken. Um. So I don't know the number of the episode, but the episode that's coming out on the what's four and seven eleventh of May, I discuss a lot of this with Maya in the twenty first century work life because th- this is happening now and there's a lot of stuff happening um, which is. We're still, people are still working out what is good for them, what is good for the organization. A lot of the people who are making the decisions of how remote we can be or the hybrid setup or whether remote work is even allowed now are people who haven't been in that world. Yeah. You think about what their version of remote work was. It was probably madly being in meetings all day trying to rescue the business. Or trying to see what do we do. So a lot of the experience of the people making the decisions is not a good version of online collaboration and remote work. So that's something we need to bear in mind. Um, it's a shame, but it, it's happening, and we'll see where it all lands. And we are still in flux. Like we, they will. We see companies going, yeah, people can do this. Oh no, we can't. Oh no, yes, we can. Oh no, we can't. And, and in a way, sometimes you're thinking, well, they've got to try something and they've got to say something. What I think is a shame, and uh, interestingly, we just go back to, I think it was October 2020. I was on a, I did a, like a panel thing with, a, with an, a, an organization in Spain. And they said, what do you think is going to happen after the, how are we going to come out of the pandemic regarding remote work? And I said, well, we're going to see companies that are office first, probably didn't use that term, but I said people who say everyone in the office. At the other end of the spectrum, we'll continue to have fully distributed companies. And then you have a whole thing in the middle. And the important thing about this that is different to the before the pandemic is that now people might have a choice. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has a choice of where they work because not everyone is that fortunate or how they work. But the people who have a choice will look for that. And if you're someone who wants to go into the office five days a week and you want a culture where that is important, hopefully you'll have places to go to. And if you want the opposite, yeah, hopefully there is that choice. So my hope is that, yeah, JP Morgan has said all the managers need to be in the office because this and that. Well, let's see what JP Morgan is in 10 years time. And maybe it does really well, but everyone there has a certain way of working. The other thing I think we need to bear in mind is the reasons that people are giving are sometimes not great. I just wish they said, look, we can't make it work. Like I think it was uh, one of the Google guys said, I don't know how you train managers to be remote. Great. That's what we need. We just need more transparency yeah. of, look, we just think this is not working for us for these reasons, but not because you can't do collaboration, not because you can't do productivity. It's like, we know you can do all of that. It's just, look, we haven't figured it out. And we've decided that instead of trying to figure it out, we need to get on with the business. We need to continue doing this. We need to continue that. And we don't have time to explore that. So we're just going back to how it was. Okay, it's a shame, but hey ho. So it's, I don't mind be, uh, organizations saying we don't want people to work remotely, but don't say it's because remote work doesn't work. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent agree. Um, and that's the, probably a lack of acceptance that you know the future is. You know, there's a, it's there's a, a what's the word? Sort of like a spectrum of yes. different different ways of working. And like you said, I mean, well, like you're inferring is that there's not an acceptance that some people prefer to work this way, and there's other people on this spectrum that prefer to work that way. And yeah, it's it's something that's. It's it's difficult. It's very difficult because I think even the idea of hybrid work to me is quite difficult. There's a challenge where hybrid work is concerned, and I can see because when I, I interviewed uh, Nick Francis a few years ago, obviously Nick Francis, um, remote first, you know, remote first CEO, and I was thinking back then when I first spoke to him, when he said to me, you know, because obviously his 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 theory and his ethic is around remote first being the the best way for his company to work and if you've got a blend of sort of like remote and and hybrid that's where it becomes even more challenging to keep people on board with the culture you know career development all those different things and it it was only when I started to sort of um, really think about how many different things that hybrid managers have to do in order to keep their team engaged that it that I realized how what Nick, what Nick Francis said was, you know, it really made sense to me then. There's so many things. I mean, you have to, you know, if you're working in a hybrid situation, there's going to be some people that may come in more than others or have more interaction with a manager than others. There's others that might not, you know, somebody might come in a different day or there's just so many different complexities to it. So I, I don't know. I, I can't see myself how it's going to sort of shape up. And I'm sure there are other... I'm sure there are hybrid teams out there that are doing it successfully. And in fact, I'd probably like to have a couple of them on the podcast. Well, you know, um, when just before the pandemic, I think it was 2019, Gallup surveyed engagement for remote workers. And they said the highest engagement was for those, I think it was either three who were either three or four days not in the office. So already before then, remote actually didn't mean that a whole team was away from the office and it didn't even mean that one person was 100% of the time away from the office. Remote then also meant that sometimes people were working not in the office. Mm -hmm. But because that was probably not that widespread, then it was just remote. So I think that hybrid already existed before, Mm -hmm. but we didn't call it that way. The other thing is that hybrid is very difficult and one, as I'm hearing you speak, it just needs a lot more coordination and deliberate yeah. communication than remote only or or office only. So people have to work a lot harder. And I'm not sure that everyone really wants to do that. <laughs> and the other thing is that what we're going to see as well, and I mean, this might not be very popular, I don't say this often, is that people who want to work, because there are a lot of employees who want to work in a hybrid way. It's not just organizations saying we want to see people in the office. People are saying what I want is to work a couple of days from home or three days from home and I want the office. However, that means that the employers have to keep those offices ready Uh and not just ready. They have to be the kind of place that people, when they come in, feel welcome, blah, blah, blah. So I think at some point, and this is already happening, actually, there's going to be not just forced going into the office from people who want to use those buildings, but there's going to be forced working from home from organizations that say, you know what, doesn't make any sense. So I'm sorry if you want to come into the office two days a week because you want to leave the house. 
we don't have an office for you anymore. Wow. Yeah. So that, and, and that, of course, why would you? Why yeah. would you? Yeah. Uh, but again, this is, I mean, the, the situation we're in about it, Alex, if you think about it, is really weird because if you have the same job, I mean, I'm not employed, so, but if you had the same job in 2019 as you have now, you might not have signed up for the conditions in which you are now. You didn't sign up for that. So there's going to be a time when now people need to at some point know what, how their work life is going to continue with regards to that organization so that they can make hopefully a choice about whether they continue or not. But at the moment, and this is why it's so difficult, is people are like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to work from home all the time from people yes. who were going to the office. And people who have to go to the office all the time are like, I didn't sign up for a workplace that didn't listen to what had been going on for the last three years. <laughs> yeah. So there's, oh, oh. Lots of complexities. A, yeah, I did a session on the psychological contract for a client because this is what's happening is everyone's unspoken contracts and what we expected from each other and from our employers have been broken. And we need to talk about it because expectations we had before might not be the same. And anyway, it's a huge, that's why it's so fascinating. It is fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. And, and I see, you know, what you just said is, is, is big as well. They're having the discussions around it, the contracts and all that sort of thing. And the way it sort of plays out to me every day when I'm looking, because I look online, I, I look at, you know, when I'm dealing with my clients, I'm helping to find work, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and like what you said, there's some of my clients who are, very much about they don't want to go back to the office there's others that want to go back to the office and there's some in the middle um but their lives are not is not made very easy by some of the job adverts that you see on mm -hmm. you know some of the job adverts you see online i mean linkedin is is just one example where you've got some companies saying you know remote friendly or remote first or uh, um, fully remote 100 percent remote all remote um open to remote you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> okay. it's just like, what does that actually mean? So I think, I don't know if it was you that said online, I think it might have been you, that there needs to be sort of a definition for what, what, what do you mean by remote work? Because I think now even somebody like, um, who is it? I think, is it GitLab? I think they, they, they call themselves all remote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that confu that's confusing in its. I'm not saying that they're confusing, but what I'm saying yeah, yeah. these different definitions confuse people. And then the people that write the job descriptions and the adverts, who perhaps weren't that good at writing adverts anyway to begin with, are now trying to tempt people by saying, "Oh, with this, that, with the other." But it's 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 confusing me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, just thinking back to whether I said, I think I might have been talking about hybrid specifically. Right. Uh, the, the, because, yes, remote first, full remote, blah, blah, all of that is confusing. I think that hybrid is that times three times confusing because hybrid means nothing. I mean, hybrid can mean... And also, I think we're still, we're still talking about location. What is this? What does yeah. hybrid mean? Does it mean hybrid choice? Does it mean that you have a choice? Does it mean that you're working with in, a, in an environment where there's so much independence that everyone does what they want? Because some people might not want to work in a team where everyone can choose where they work because that might not be what they like. So, yes, I think that, uh, at, uh, yeah, I think at some point, hopefully, the hybrid first, I don't know. 
hybrid, the three, two hybrid autonomous, <laughs> hybrid dictated, remote dictated, working from home dictated, co-working enabled. <laughs> we can think of lots of definitions. There is so many definitions and that that's, yeah. But hopefully, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how this is all going to sort of sort of pan out and how it's all going to sort of settle itself down. But I think, yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what things happen. I think somebody said, I think, you, who was it that came on the podcast and was saying to me that this year and the beginning of next year is going to be the year of sort of get people getting back into the office or businesses saying, come back into the office. And he said that as of, you know, maybe tail end of 2004, beginning of 2005, Mm-hmm. that it's going to be more around uh, things are going to settle down and then we're going to see a bit more um, definition in terms of the companies that are more comfortable to say fully remote or whatever it's f- remote first mm-hmm. but be interested to see what the future holds you know but um, yeah. we will see we will see and we shall see and for you uh, Pilar because there's so many avenues in which you your career can go down. You're you're a freelancer, as you said, and you've you've done a variety of things. But as I as I mentioned, all interconnected. If you, if your if your career, if you visualise your your career as like a, a staircase, how far are you along that? How far are you up that staircase? <laughs> well, if I were twenty, I would say at the bottom, but I'm oh. not twenty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just from so I am shifting how I look at my life anyway. I'm really I want to exp- I want to do more writing. Uh, I'm learn I'm learning to write fiction as well. I, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm trying to do, and I am at the beginning of where I want to be in ten years time if I get there. Because what I want to, I want to have a lot more sources of income. And I want to productize a lot of what I'm delivering now. I really want to do that. In fact, I want if, in fact, if you or anyone listening knows of a way of delivering audio courses that is easy, where you can charge, not through a podcast, not through Teachable, (laughs) then let me know because I think that I would love to do that. I want. In fact, I've been creating with a colleague. Hopefully, we'll get it out at some point this year. An audio course about asynchronous, and I think I would like to do a lot more of that. I want to create audio courses that people can listen to and reflect on away from the computer. So, I want to do that. I want to do more writing and find what ways of income I can create as a creator, as an artist. I'm also. <laughs> I want to go into the self-help arena because I've been doing some doodles with a, a Happy Daisy, which is um, where she's got a, this message of slow down and smell, <laughs> slow down and smell the coffee kind of thing. And so, and again, I'm learning. I'm learning how to draw comics. I just there's a whole new way of. I, I read somewhere that work is how we express ourselves. And that has been so true for me. And I think I'm now ready to just make it about self-expression <laughs> rather than anything else. So I am at the bottom because I, I am shifting. Uh, right. I'm completely shifting. And I think I'm ready to leave some parts of my professional career behind. I'm not ready to leave some others. <laughs> so I think I'm... Yeah, if it were a staircase, I'm definitely at the bottom. And I'm There's rolling a lot no, I, there's more to come. I wouldn't say you're crawling at all. I think there's the message I got from that is lots more to come, and I think there's there's so many different avenues. And I think 
yeah audio i think is going to be a um is is big as it is now but it's going to get even even bigger and you know back to you know the idea of remote work and async work there's still not clarity you know complete clarity on how how that's all done so if you can deliver that in an audio course then you could be onto something there I hope so. And it's pitched. What's really interesting, so without going off on another tangent, what's really interesting at the moment is there is a lot, like uh, this week, I there's a lovely guy who's about to publish um, with a mainstream um, uh, book on async. So I got that to have a look and, have, and give an endorsement. Someone else also got in touch with me and said, can you have a look at this stuff online, which is all about async. And then I saw someone else post on LinkedIn, I've got this new guide about async. There's a lot of stuff that's coming out for um, fully distributed, mainly software developers, that kind of, you mentioned GitLab, you know, the the, the, the GitLab aspiring, those, yes. those companies yes. that aspire to be like GitLab. There's a huge piece for organizations like the ones I've been working with, which are the traditional ones, which are not going to use half of those terms. They're not going to do all that stuff, but need to make their remote work more sustainable. So that's the space I'm looking at. And I think our course is very basic and it, but I think it just touches on all the things that some people have not had time to think about. So, and yeah, and audio, I'm really excited about finding a way. There's still not a way of delivering audio as courses, but I think it's a matter of time before someone says, here's an app. <laughs> yeah, because all you get really is, you've got audio books, um, but that's not really a course, is it? And then you've got, I mean, LinkedIn have started to, to test a lot of audio now. So that kind of is a, kind of a clue as to what's what's to come maybe yeah there's um and, and to be honest i haven't looked at how that would work there but the the linkedin courses and stuff are they i mean they're closed so you need to be invited to yeah. deliver them which i suppose i could look into and they have been work uh, looking at audio and even podcasts and stuff um one of the online course platforms now has come up with a mobile app that might be the solution because then you can have your PDFs in there as well for reference and there might even be a community feature in it, mm-hmm. but you don't need to feel, it can feel, it, it can be okay delivering audio through that. So maybe that's that's the answer, but I definitely, I agree with you that audio became very big, um, has become really big over the last five years and I think we're going to see more. So, yeah. Maybe you could you could create your own platform. Maybe it could be a new a new thing. So I, I, when I'm I'm trying to rack my brain, I can't think of anything that just delivers audio. Um, well, yeah. if any developers out there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that I, I did, and I was talking to someone at some point who was creating something, but I don't know what's happened. You know, people come and go. Uh, but yeah, I think that I I, I want to create something that I know will work, mm-hmm. and that if 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 someone if a learner has a problem, that I'm not the one they go to. So I want right. a platform where they have a customer service so I don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So creating something new might be a bit scary, but you know, let's Watch the space. Watch the space. We'll be watching the space, <laughs> definitely. And well, I mean, it's been great having you on again, Orti, but, um, Pilar, um, but I just wanted to um, ask you finally, because we've talked all about work. Um, what What do you do when you're not, when you're not working, what do you do? You gave us a bit of a clue in terms of some of the things like the gym. You mentioned the gym. Are you yeah. fitness? What other things do you do when you're not working? So lots of stuff because something I've been really trying to do over the last year was to spend less hours at the computer 
and yeah. uh, and and work less actually and just just so the reason I want to work less is so that I can enjoy it more so I don't feel like I'm all the time working and catching I was like no I want to do things well so um I actually take Fridays off but work on Saturdays and by work I mean editing podcasts which is so wow. much fun it's like being in a it's it's like being in a in a room with my friends listening back to conversations so I love it um, but but I did that, and it's very interesting. If anyone has any flexibility, I found that because I take Friday off, Saturday is great because I have a lot of energy for that last day. Mm-hmm. Then I take Sunday off completely, and then I start again on Monday. I do Pilates, which is great for, uh, well, as a voiceover, it's great for the breath, something I discovered after drama school. And it's great for posture. It's great for strength. It's like if anyone is thinking about, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all sitting up now. Um, so Pilates, I do. I do a dance class. I used to do Zumba, but it's too cold in the in the gym where I do it. I do a dance class because I love dancing, and this is just like a fun dance class. And then I do another kind of Pilates thing, and then I started doing yoga, which I really like. I really like the teacher. She's like a really. Her style reminds me of the physical theater tutors, really. Wow. Uh, just wonderful. I read a lot. I love reading. Every morning I read at least 20 minutes and then throughout the day if I can. Fiction. I also read a lot of nonfiction and I watch a lot of television. I love crime dramas. Yeah. Crime, crime dramas. dramas great. Especially what's, the foreign ones. <laughs> what's the latest crime? What kind? I mean, I don't get to watch a lot of TV, but. The last, the last, I don't know if this counts, but the last crime drama I watched was Breaking Bad. Oh, I did never watch that. <laughs> I know I it was I, big, but I didn't watch that at all. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a crime drama because I'm not, I'm not that into TV as I said. I don't. Maybe. Do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, if anyone listening does like a crime drama, well, we don't have Netflix because we were going to sign up to Netflix. Oh, I see. And we were going to sign up and we bought the the Roku, the thing to go online. And yes. Channel 4 in the UK has so much stuff. And then we also still record from television into a digital recorder. There's just so much stuff. We don't need Netflix. Yes. But there's a lot of, um, like Channel 4 in the UK has lots of Scandinavian drama, lots of French uh, crime. It's just so great. And then I also like cozy mysteries because that's what I'm writing. So I always... I also watch like things like Private Eyes or uh, I was watching today reruns of Castle. I don't know if you heard of I've that. I've not seen that. No, no. What's that about? Yeah. Castle is just, uh, well, they're now in season 17, but I, I used to watch it when it was season one. It was about a crime writer that joins the police or that is shadowing someone in the police. So it's just like really easy cases, just very cozy dramas in you don't really see blood or there's no real violence. You just, you know, they just solve the case. And then, you know, you always, you always know that the person who did it is whoever, if they have a relatively high profiled actor in the episode, that's the person. That's the one that did, did it. it. So it's not, it's not difficult to work out who did it. <laughs> so I, I love that. I love watching television. I really, really do. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the things I do, but work is fun. So well, it's good. To, it's good when you can get to that point where work is is fun. There's not many people that I speak to who have reached that point, and mm. I think it, everybody. What I'm going to do is leave your details in the show notes, um, Pilar, because I think, and that's the reason I wanted you back on the podcast as well, because I know that I get a lot of inspiration from what you do with the podcasting and your work. So I know that other people can as well. And I just wanted to say thank you again for for being on the podcast, and we'll certainly be looking out for for what you do in the future and. Maybe there's a there's a, a third a third episode in the in the making at some point. 
That'd be great. Can I say something really quickly? Something yes, I realized uh, through adventures in podcasting and especially talking to Michelle Ong, who's a lady who has steam-powered podcast talking to women in science. And when we were talking, we thought one of the things that came out that really struck me that I hadn't thought of before was when we podcast, as podcasters, of course, we connect with our audience. So we create a space for ourselves. Then we bring a guest and the guest wants to communicate with the audience. And that is very important as well. But what we also do is we create a space for the guest when we're doing interviews yeah. to stop. And we create the space for them to talk about their work, to reflect on their stuff. And your questions have been really amazing. So so thank you, because I really, really enjoyed that. It's just such a nice, you created a really nice space for me. So I hope the listeners also enjoy it. I loved it. It doesn't feel, it just feels like a great conversation to me. And it's, you know, like I said, I hope people can get some value. I'm sure they can. And uh, put your details in the show notes. Um, but yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot for you to come. It sounds like you're involved in a lot of things. But as I said, I'll be keeping an eye on things. And yeah, hopefully speak to you again soon, Pilar. <laughs>